Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. And if you've been with me for a while, then you saw last year I released a new series under the Snarled banner called Fright Scene, and me and Stephanie did a paranormal investigation inside the infamous Creel House from Stranger Things Season 4, and you can go check that out on our channel now. But I have good news. For Spooky Season, we will be releasing three brand new episodes for you on our YouTube channel. Stay till the end to get more details. Most people hate going anywhere near a hospital, since it usually means someone is sick or dying. The halls are shadowed by the devastated souls that could not be healed. There are, however, heroes who dedicate their lives to saving the injured and diseased. But despite their oath to do no harm, sometimes the person standing between life and death gives one a complex, and that can lead to deadly decisions not caring whose life is at risk. First, a story you're dying to unhear, followed by staying forever. Then, the spirits around you. Finally, in our featured story, the brutal revenge. So, wanna hear something scary? Medical murders. Sometimes stories are full of inspiration and life lessons, and sometimes learning the information in a story can ruin your entire life. 
like in this story inspired by Krish. I'm sitting in front of my computer writing the story, and I'm scared to death. Every moment could be my last. My friend Josiah is here with me, but he's the reason my life is in danger. It all started earlier today. Josiah burst into my house. He looked panicked. His eyes were wide with fear and he stood against the door, breathing heavily. I asked him what had happened and he told me the following story. He'd been living with his aunt for the past year while his parents were in Mexico. They do mission work at a small hospital in Southern Mexico. The previous night, a raggedy man stumbled through the doors of the hospital. He was screaming in Spanish, seemingly out of his mind with terror. They brought over a chair for him to sit. As he caught his breath, he claimed that his sister had been killed by something he referred to as La Morta Blanco. He kept saying that it was coming for him next, weeping in fear. Confused, they asked him who or what a Morta Blanco was. With a shaking voice, he replied, La Morta Blanco was the white death. The soul of a girl who died years ago She died by her own hand, alone and unloved. She hated life so much that she wanted to remove all traces of herself from the earth. So great was her desire to completely obliterate her memory that she returned from the dead as a vengeful spirit, bent on killing all those who knew of her existence. She is a girl, but not a girl. She's not dead, but not really alive. She has cold black eyes that weep blood She walks without ever actually seeming to move an inch. She stalks her victims like a wild animal, pursuing them across rivers and valleys, trailing them back to their homes. You are never really aware that she is following you until you hear her telltale knock upon your door. She knocks once for your skin, which she'll use to patch her own decaying flesh, twice for your hair, which she'll gnaw between her teeth three times for your bones, which she'll fashion into clubs, four times for your heart, which she'll tear out of your chest, five times for your teeth, which she'll polish and keep in a box, six times for your eyes, which she'll pluck out one by one, seven times for your soul, which she'll swallow whole. No matter where you go, The white death will track you down and you will hear her terrible knocking begin on the door. You can try to outrun her, but she's faster than any mortal man. If you flee from your home while she's knocking on your door, she will follow you wherever you go. The terrified man was certain that this thing had killed his sister. He had tried to tell the police about the white death, but they would not listen, dismissing it as an old wives' tale. Next, he had tried to tell his priest, but the priest immediately shut the door of the church in his face and turned him away. The priest had seen the white death following him, he said, and did not want to get involved. With his head in his hands, the frightened man said that the white death follows you forever until you tell someone else about it. Then it strikes. It kills you and begins following the person you told. After finishing his tale, He told them he went there because people were already sick and dying at the hospital. If he told someone there, maybe it would save the life of a healthy person. Maybe when a sick person died, 
they would take the white death with them. The man said he had to use the bathroom, and before they knew it, he had stolen a car from the Mission Hospital parking lot and vanished into the night. Josiah's mother immediately called his aunt and told her about the strange man they had encountered. His aunt got another phone call later that night. It was the Mexican police. They told her Josiah's parents were found dead outside the hospital. They had been torn apart. Josiah's aunt immediately called him at school to break the bad news to him. As he cried, she told him she couldn't understand what had happened. She recounted the whole story to him, telling him about the strange man who had turned up to the hospital just hours before his parents were found dead. She told him how the man had given his parents a weird and disturbing story about something called the White Death. When he hung up the phone, he had struggled to come to terms with what had happened. It almost didn't seem real to him. He gathered his things and went straight home. He found the front door of his aunt's house open. Inside was a trail of blood leading into the kitchen. There, on the kitchen floor, lay his aunt's dead body. She had been torn limb from limb. He ran out of the house and all the way across town, never looking back until he reached my house. As he told me this story, this story I'm telling you, I could hardly believe it. Within the space of a day, his mother, his father, and his aunt had been murdered. But before I could comment, we froze as a knocking began at my front door. We've been staring at the door for an hour now, neither of us wanting to open it. The knocking continues, growing louder and louder. She never gives up. La Morta Blanco is unstoppable. I think she wants to scare us, my friend and I. I think she wants us to blame each other. And I do. I blame my friend. It's all his fault. He should never have spoke of her. As I sit here in my house, beside my friend, both of us listening to that hideous knocking grow even louder, I wish a lot of things. I wish she had killed my friend before he reached my house. If he had never been able to tell me about her, I wouldn't be passing this curse onto you now. Have you ever heard of something so terrible you just had to get it off your chest? Have you ever shared deadly information with someone? Remember the old chain letters you were supposed to forward where something bad would happen to you? Did you ever not forward them and suffer the consequences? The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. <laughs> this is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. If you're like us here at Chilling Tales and enjoy feeling your stomach filling with dread as dastardly demons dance in your head, make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe now to always be the first to enjoy the horror show. There is a good reason for so many ghost stories to be set in asylums. They were truly horrific places where innocent people were treated atrociously. And sometimes the patients never fully left, like in this story written by Janine Pipe. It was a chilly December night as Ellie made her rounds carefully at the Athens Mental Health and Development Center in Ohio in 1979. By this time, the vast majority of the patients in the asylum were either fast asleep or unconscious from their meds. Thankfully, she didn't often have to visit the wards where the screamers and those who violently opposed bedtime resided. That didn't stop her job being more dangerous and indeed scary than she would have liked. Still, with both of her parents sick and unable to work, someone had to keep the roof over their head. Just as she was about to finish up her shift, a commotion broke out. Other members of staff, including the guards, started running about, shouting orders at each other, seeming stressed and as if something had happened that needed urgent action. One of the guards was rushing down the corridor towards an exit when he caught sight of her. Have you seen Margaret Schilling, Ellie? Ellie shook her head no, and he rushed out of the door into the dark and cold grounds. She could just make out his flashlight as he raced around. He rushed to the nurse's station where she was to report after her rounds and discovered 
that Margaret had not appeared for dinner and had not been seen since. Every member of staff that could be spared was to search the entire building. Ellie's eyes grew big. The building was huge, a sprawling 700,000 square feet, and there were entire floors which had been abandoned for years. Margaret could be absolutely anywhere. Ellie dutifully stayed long after her shift, long after the police arrived and the sun began to rise, not bringing any warmth, but at least some light into the darkest corners of the institution. When the day staff arrived, they had fresh eyes to search with. They covered the vast grounds, the long forgotten and unused outbuildings. They checked basements and attics, but Margaret was not found. It was 42 days later when Ellie heard the scream and knew the missing patient had finally been discovered. There was routine maintenance going on in one of the old abandoned wards. These areas were isolated and inhabitable, freezing cold and damp. No one had access usually, and yet somehow back on that dark day in December, Margaret had gotten into the ward. They would never know exactly what happened to her, whether she'd become disoriented and panicked, or whether she had simply laid down on the stone to die. She had been laying on the floor naked when she died of heart failure. Her simple hospital clothing lay in a neat pile next to her. There wasn't much left of her decomposed body. The spot she had been lying in was in direct sunlight, which had seemingly sped up the process of decay. When her remains were removed, the fact that she had been soaking into the stone floor for so long meant she had actually left a stain. No matter what the workers did to clean it, nothing worked, and that stain, like a chalk outline from a TV cop show, remains there to this day. Ellie would not recommend that you try and visit the spot, which is now part of the Ohio University campus. She knows there are tours you can take of the building, that those so inclined can not only see the famous stain, but touch it if they so wish. But Ellie would leave you with this warning. It is said that anyone who dares touch the stain will fall victim to a lingering curse that brings misery, misfortune, and untimely death. It might just be a warning to keep people away, to try and leave Margaret's memory with some respect. But for those who are brave enough to risk it, who knows whether there might just be some truth to it. After all, Margaret isn't the only thing to be left in that building. Have you ever visited an old asylum? Did you feel any unwelcome presence? Could you imagine what it must have been like there when it was in use? The ability to speak to the dead will either be a blessing or a terrible curse. Like in this story inspired by Leah. Working a third shift is never easy, especially in a busy hospital, and particularly when you're also a medium. As the register in an ER, my job was to collect information from each patient that came in whether they're dead or alive. I like the excitement the job comes with, especially learning about each person's background even if it was only for a brief moment. People fascinate me. I was good at the job because even if the person was in extreme pain or passed out, 
I could gather glimpses of them through my special abilities. It wasn't easy to explain to my coworkers that I can see the dead. I kept that part to myself. When it came up, I just tell people that I'm sensitive, having done the job for so long. On October 13th at 1 a.m., a digital EMR report came in about an elderly man who was being rushed to my hospital, suffering from a stroke. His family had been notified and they were only 15 to 20 minutes away from the hospital. I rushed to Trauma 21, a room which the nurses and doctors refer to as Judgment Day, because that was the room where everyone had to work to keep the patient alive. If not, I was given the patient's time of death and had to input the information into our system. The family of the elderly man eventually made it to the hospital, but it was too late. The patient passed away at 1.30 a.m. before they arrived. My friend, Nurse Kathy, was in room 21 cleaning up and bagging the deceased clothing. I needed the patient's information. Therefore, I had to go through his pockets to find his wallet with his identification. As I walked into the room, I noticed there were three people present. One was Kathy, one was the deceased patient, and lastly, an older woman who had her arm wrapped around the man. I said, oh, hello. Surprised that Kathy was cleaning while a family member was in the room. That wasn't a standard practice. Typically, you wait till the family is left. However, since his ID wasn't in his pockets, I decided to get some information from her. Excuse me, do you know the patient and can I ask you some questions? I said. Kathy shot me a look and told me she didn't know him, obviously, and she was trying to find his ID to no avail. But the woman smiled. I could see her as clear as day, particularly the glowing aura around her. It was like she was an angel. The woman took me by the hand and walked me down to the patient's feet. Tucked inside his sock were a couple of dollar bills with his ID. Oh, thank you. I said. I looked at Kathy and she was pale. She asked who I was talking to. I said, this lovely woman right here. I pointed at her and waited for a response. No one had ever appeared that real to me. But then I understood why Kathy thought I was mad or playing games with her. Stop it, stop it right now. It's too late for this, Kathy said. She was freaked. The older woman waved at me with a smile and I simply smiled back so as not to scare Kathy any further. Kathy slowly stopped cleaning and called my name again, but I was too fixated on the woman. I had so many questions such as, are you a dead loved one? Were you always waiting for him? Kathy called my name again. I turned to see what she wanted and then looked back to the woman, but she was gone. I could tell Kathy was weirded out from my behavior, but I went to the patient's bag and began digging in it. I didn't find what I wanted. Later, I did a search online with his ID, and finally, I found a picture of a woman that looked like the person I had spoken to. I also found out that it was his wife. She passed away two months prior from natural causes. The deceased family confirmed their mother also passed away in our ER. I smiled knowing that husband and wife were together again. 
I find it funny that those who pass away are always still lingering, waiting for their loved ones to come on through. I wonder, when I pass away, will I see those who I love dearly waiting for me in the afterlife? And will I come back to help others too? Have you ever been able to communicate with someone from the other side? What kind of experience was it for you? Meaningful or terrifying? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of an Indonesian urban legend and animated over on youtube.com snarled. And also on our YouTube channel, you can check out Fright Scene Episode 3, which is all about the mysterious island of Guernsey, a place where witches and fairies reside. When you witness someone getting away with behaving badly, it's always difficult. But trust this, if karma doesn't come around to get them, something even worse will. It was another late night at the hospital for Dr. Destry. She was running tests on patients' blood when she felt a cool chill down the back of her neck. It was odd because it had been a super hot month in Jakarta, Indonesia. So the air conditioning would have felt nice, but this chill was different. She turned and gasped, dropping one of the vials when she saw Dr. Arif standing directly behind her. You startled me, she said, crouching down to clear up the mess. And as she cleaned away the blood and the glass on the floor, an unsettling unease washed over her. Dr. Arif towered above, casting a chilling presence that unsettled her to her core. Dr. Arif had a terrible reputation. He was outright rude, screaming at residents and making women feel uncomfortable. There were also accusations of physical abuse, but nothing with enough evidence to make a case out of it. And because of this, Dr. Destry avoided being alone with him for her own safety. Clutching a shard of broken glass in her hand, she politely moved past him towards the sink. He walked toward her, berating her for being so clumsy. Her eyes darted around for an exit strategy, but there was no way around him. She held her breath, the hand holding the glass trembling. Like an act of a guardian angel, the door swung open and the custodian, Mr. Ahmed, appeared. Annoyed at the interruption, Dr. Arif instructed him to come back later. But Mr. Ahmed knew the doctor's reputation. He promised to be quick and move through the room with ease, offering to clean up the mess. This made Dr. Destry feel back at ease. And in an awkward silence, Mr. Ahmed spoke up, asking if they have ever seen Suster Nisha. The doctors shook their heads. So Mr. Ahmed told the story of the woman. She used to work in the hospital. One night in the lab, a cruel doctor attacked her mutilating her legs so brutally she couldn't run from him. She was forced to crawl on her hands and knees while dragging what was left of her legs behind her, resulting in her death due to the severe blood loss and shock. Dr. Arif scoffed and demanded to know why he was telling them such a gruesome story. Because, he replied, Sister Nisha has haunted the halls of this hospital ever since. Dr. Arif laughed in disbelief. But Mr. Ahmed looked at him with a straight face and said he was being serious. He warned them that she was always lurking the halls, looking after those in need and exacting revenge when necessary. Dr. Arif locked eyes with the custodian, shooting back with a glare. He knew he was being threatened and the custodian was not going to get away with it. 
As he stormed out of the room, Dr. Destry mouthed a thank you to the custodian. The next night, an exhausted Dr. Destry was working late in the night again when Dr. Ariff stormed into the room. She hadn't had time to move out of the way and he grabbed Dr. Destry by the neck, forcefully smirking. He whispered in her ear, the custodian won't be here to help you this time. He was fired this morning. Without a second thought, she kicked him in the shin and scrambled away running towards the exit door, but it wouldn't open. The lights flickered and then the surgical equipment flew across the floor, accompanied by the shattering of glass within the hospital walls. And amongst the chaos, there were gut-wrenching screams and bone crushing until silence. As the door creaked open, Dr. Destry stepped out, trembling but unharmed. As a nurse walked into the room for her morning shift hours later, she slipped, but before she could get herself back up, she noticed a pool of red liquid on the floor. Her eyes followed a trail of blood that led to the battered body of Dr. Arif. The nurse screamed. Dr. Arif's legs were so horribly mutilated that he wasn't able to run for help. He had been forced to crawl on his hands and knees, dragging what was left of his limbs behind him. It was clear he never made it out of the room. An alert was issued to look out for an insane patient who might have killed him. When Dr. Destry returned to work the following night, she overheard the nurses saying it was a shame Mr. Obman had been fired that morning or he would have been able to save Dr. Riff during the attack. But Dr. Destry knew the truth. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.